Hi, I'm Snuggle. Snuggly softness that feels so good. Look, I get towels fluffy. <laughs> Blankets cuddly. I'm close to coordinated strike. Welcome to Coordinated Strike. As always, I'm your host, Joe. Big announcement for the show. We are starting to do video content. Uh, I have a test video that is rendering right now uh, that will hopefully go up just after this has gone live. So hopefully uh, you all can check that out. Uh, definitely not going to be the final product uh, by any stretch. This, again, was just some test footage to kind of get my bearings around with the camera and some of the editing software. So had a little bit of fun with it, and kind of the format going forward is we're going to do double time speed, a uh, little bit different angles so you'll be able to see the entirety of the battlefield. Uh, it'll be me versus a, another opponent, not just myself, uh, as was on the video initially. But that was because my regular opponent couldn't make it that day, and I wanted to test out my new, my new toys. So we went ahead, did that. Uh, hopefully you liked the, the video and can kind of see what we're going for eventually uh, from a visual standpoint. So what is in this episode of the audio podcast? Well, I'm glad you asked. Today, I want to go ahead and talk about, oddly enough, some of the things around your starter box. Now, we did a whole big intro on each of the four starters and kind of talked about some intro tactics for your particular starter boxes, depending upon which of the episodes you looked at, including ways to expand your forces. Today's episode, I want to talk about playing single commander games in general, uh, especially when we're talking about the, the starting, the starting uh, single commander experience. And I just want to kind of give you some tips and tricks around making the most of that experience, as it's going to be one that you're going to be doing a lot uh, as you begin the game out, and it's a way... Um, even in the future, as we have new players coming in that are coming from a retail standpoint uh, for their first game. And so that's kind of what I want to focus on. Uh, we'll break it down a little bit more as we go forward, uh, but we'll get back to you right after a word from one of our sponsors. Is Teddy Ruxpin. Can you and I be friends? Sure, Teddy. Your friend is what I'd like to He's be. So you've received your starter box, you've purchased your starter box. And now you're going, what do I do with it? How, how do I kind of begin the process of the game? And I want to look at it kind of at it from a universal standpoint. Uh, one of the things that I would encourage you to do when you initially open your starter box, particularly the one that you want to play with first, or the one that you're, you've decided to start with, is read through the cards that come in the box. And there are a substantial amount of cards that come in the box. Uh, each of them is going to have the assets for your particular commander, um, a lot of the generic assets for your particular allegiance, and for the allegiance that it falls under, either Earthside or Malifaux side. And you're going to have access to all of the stratagems for your particular um, either Earthside or Malifaux side allegiance. Additionally, you'll have them for your base allegiance, whatever the allegiance of the starter box is, 
then we'll, all of the uh, the stratagems will be included. And there's a significant amount, and all of those kind of are going to feed into your baseline strategy and how you approach your first few games. And I think the most the most important thing initially early is to get a real good understanding of your cards. And the first card to kind of break down is your allegiance card itself. This is the lifeblood of your chosen allegiance. It is everything that your allegiance does. It is how they go to glory. Uh, it is how they interact with the game. And what makes their unit special is going to be located on this particular card. And it's going to vary based on each allegiance that you play. And so really getting a firm understanding of the allegiance card is kind of your first step prior to your first games with the single box commander experience that I want to talk about tonight. So when you're reading through your allegiance card, one of the things I want you to look at first is I want you to find on your card, no matter which of the allegiances it is, how do they go to glory? How do you get your units glory? This is a key factor in how this particular allegiance and their units are going to interact with the game. Going to glory is such an important process in the game because it enhances your units. Your units are pretty much meant to be fully optimal when they are gloried. And so understanding exactly how your allegiance wants to get to glory kind of dictates what resources are important to you, what uh, orders are going to be very important to you, the distancing, all of these things are going to come out of how your allegiance kind of operates. It's going to let you know if you're going to be placing portals at the beginning of a turn. Um, additionally, it's going to let you know if you're placing pools at the beginning of a turn. Uh, alternately, it's going to open up additional actions for you. And getting a clear understanding of all of the abilities that your allegiance card is granting you in your units is really paramount. And the allegiance card is absolutely defining for the game. So once you've read through your allegiance card and you have a real good grasp of everything that, that it's telling you, the next thing I want you to do is look at the commander that's come in your box. This commander's unit card is going to be critical to understanding how your box wants to kind of play and the role that your commander can play to your force. Uh, is your commander going to be someone that is going to be asked to do a lot of damage? Is your commander going to be someone that is supporting uh, what your crew wants to do? Are they going to support your game plan? Are they going to support your units? Are they going to be working to make them better? Uh, are they going to provide you some type of movement trick or additional threat uh, extension? All of these little nuances on their card are going to be important to look at. And you're going to want to look at, again, their front side and also their glory side. And then, again, remember, how do you get these units to glory? The next step you're going to want to do is then look at the assets that are available 
to your particular commander. So one of the ones that I want to focus in on for just a moment is, again, to kind of get the mindset of it, is a unit, a commander like Prince Unathi. So Prince Unathi is sort of an interesting case in the box sets. And the reason I, I put that there is he's, in a single commander game, is typically only going, if you take the just the box set contents, you're going to have an opportunity to purchase one asset for one script because of the way the points work out. You have two units that cost nine scripts, one unit that costs six script, that's 24 script. He's only providing you with 25 script worth of purchasing power. So he's only going to ever be able to place one additional script on him. So the the one that I look at putting on him the most is his particular asset. And the reason I do that is because it's the mind control device. And one, you get to place a token that is a mine, 120 millimeter. Uh, you get to move that around. But the main thing is, it is a vector for him to go to glory and to draw cards very easily because it only needs a two to succeed. So if you have a two of tomes in your hand, that's a guaranteed card draw. Uh, if you can get that, if you can play an eight on it, you go to glory automatically because you've exceeded an action by six. You have a margin total of six on there. So it is a great vector to get him into glory, which makes him even better at supporting the entirety of his game plan, uh, which are his troops to be able to support the Mahals, to help them get to glory, to help them do everything that they need to do and to survive and to take advantage of the elite stats and costs that are associated with Abyssinia. And then you contrast that with someone like the Jibbering Horde Storm Siren, and you kind of see on her card, she's got some unique interactions that is really all about getting her to glory as rapidly as possible. Because she has some interesting stuff on her front, but when you get her over to the backside, when you get her over to glory, she just becomes an utter monster. In the, in the most literal senses of the terms. And she can really help do things for her crew, up your damage output, and up quite a bit of just overall ability in the game by having her get to glory as rapidly as possible. Additionally, she's going to generate more tactics tokens than the other commanders are at the box set level. So this is an advantage that you have. So one of the things you want to look at while you're looking at the assets and looking at the, the card of the commander is understand exactly what your advantage is. Because each of the commanders have it a unique advantage that they are providing to not only their army and their allegiance, but to the game itself. They're each going to approach the game very differently. So each of the four box sets uh, that you have available to you when you're starting the game currently, uh, there'll be more to come, and I'm sure they will follow a similar pattern, but each of them is going to provide you with a unique gameplay experience right out of the box to be able to participate in one commander games.
And the One Commander game is a very sharp, tactical affair. There are a lot of interesting things you can do. There's a lot of ways you can spend your resources. And that's kind of the paramount point of the game. The main thing is, every time you do something in the other side, particularly in the One Commander game, you are giving up doing something else. There is always a massive opportunity cost. So you want to make sure that what you're doing is the correct thing in a particular moment. And really understand really understanding your allegiance from the card level reinforces you making better decisions with your limited resources in the one commander environment. So the next thing you're going to want to do once you've looked at your assets and kind of figure out what your asset build is going to be in the one commander environment is to look at your two main infantry, i.e. the two units that you have, or the, the, the unit that you have two of. So in the case of Abyssinia, it's the Mahal Safari. In the case of Jibbering Hordes, it's the Stripe Skulkers. In the case of the Cult of the Burning Man, it's the Warped. And in the case of the King's Empire, it's the Royal Rifle Corps. These units are really the core, most representative units of heavy infantry that each of the factions can bring to bear. They are phenomenal units that you're going to use in a variety of lists in a variety of ways. And they are great teachers for how and why your armies are going to operate as you expand your forces. In the one commander game, particularly in the box set game, understanding these units and getting the most out of them is going to be the difference between winning and losing. So again, each of them are going to have their own unique advantages and disadvantages, and it is up to you to mitigate their weaknesses and take advantage of their strengths at every possible opportunity. So again, this is your challenge, and this is my challenge to you as you begin to play in your One Commander games, is take time to experiment with these units. These units are so critical to your development as an other side player that I don't think I can overstress how important getting the mechanics and the understanding of how these particular squads function down is to long-term success with the game itself. And there's a lot of little nuances with each of them. And they're things to kind of discover as you play. And things to kind of think about as you play. And you will start to understand what is going to be the best placement for each of these units when you're fighting your opponent's units. And that's when the game really starts to kind of blossom before you and get very interesting. So things like Stripe Skulkers are always better in terrain than not being in terrain. 
So maybe it's not the best idea to utilize rush orders with them. Maybe it's better to have them go longer ways that allow them to take advantage of the fact that cover provides them additional bonuses to attack and defense. Uh, and, and touching terrain allows that. And so then you get an understanding that maybe you want to make sure that they can get in range of tide pools easier than not. And maybe that affects your tide pool placement. And maybe you get an understanding that they're not the best solo units. And you don't want to, to have them too far from each other because they need to mutually support. And so you get kind of an idea just in that little bit of description of some of the things you should be looking at as you begin to build out to build out a good list and again in, when you're just dealing in the box that list is kind of pre-made for you uh, but you get an understanding of, of how those components kind of work so last thing to look at is your single unit uh, the single unit tends to be kind of a support piece maybe something that functions a little bit differently to the rest of your army in a lot of cases particularly on the earth side they're going to be tailored more to be your objective runners uh, in the uh, on the Jibbering Horde side. There or the, on the uh, the Malifaux side, they're going to tend it toward the more support style unit uh, with either the the the, the portals uh, literally being an extension of your portal rule, or uh, the Carcanoid being kind of a hybrid uh, support piece with some summoning, as well as a late game. Uh, closing piece. So each of them kind of offer something very unique. And the box sets come together to offer unique styles of play, and we went over those in previous podcasts. So what I want to talk about again in context of your first game is kind of getting into the rhythm of the other side if you've never played it before, uh, or if you're coming from other weird miniatures games. So the first difference right off the top of the bat, you know, right off the bat, is going to be you use tactics tokens for everything in this game. They are used to purchase cards. They are used to uh, as part of your modify step. They are used to buy stratagems, which can power up uh, your crew, power up your company, um, do amazing things on the battlefield as one-time events. They can be used, most importantly for victory points. Uh, in almost every scenario, you're going to utilize tactics tokens to earn victory points. And so when we put that into the context of the game, and we're playing one commander, which means we're going to be starting the game with four tactics tokens, two for playing a game of the other side, and two for each commander that you start the game with, i.e. you're playing one commander game, you're starting with one, so you get another two, so you get four total. So you're going to start with four, and now all of a sudden you see the problem. You have four tactics tokens at the start of each turn. That is what you're guaranteed. When your commander activates, he's going to generate, he or she is going to generate their tactics value. If you've taken either a Thrace or a Ben Young or an asset on a Dreadnought, you're going to generate um, some other ones upon activation when they when that unit activates. 
but typically your commander is going to be your primary source, besides the start of the turn, of tactics tokens. And so we have a very limited resource that is utilized for nearly everything in the game, and it's magnified in the one commander game, because you're only getting that starting four. So the question becomes, how do you manage your tactics tokens and your decision-making on the first turn of your game? Well, it varies, and this is where your player skill is going to start to come into effect. And every game is going to be a little different in terms of what it requires, and a lot of it is going to be based on what you're facing on the other side of you, which, again, is, is kind of an interesting thing to, to be able to say, yeah, it's, it depends on what's on the other side. That said, we can have a, a good discussion about general principles and strategies, and I want to give you a couple of those currently. There is a school of thought uh, that I subscribe to fairly heavily that says cards on the first turn matter way less than cards later in the game. However, stratagems early in the game matter way more than stratagems late in the game. So what I mean is, if you can invest in stratagems early, you have more opportunity to find optimal time to play them because you've made the investment up front. It does mean you're going to be more deck-centric for the first turn or so, depending on your allegiance. If you're playing Abyssinia, it's less of an, it's less of an issue to be deck-dependent because as those tomes come up on your attacks, you have the ability to generate a hand. Um, additionally, you have units you can take that can just be in the list for the purpose of gaining you a hand, gaining you cards. So that's something to keep in mind when we're talking about this particular strategy. And this is what I call a stratagem first playstyle. You're going to take a bulk of your initial starting for VP, starting for tactics tokens, and invest them into one or two stratagems that you are going to be able to utilize in the next three to four turns of the game. Again, now you're going to be able to use that optimally because you have it early. You're not going to have to wait for it. It's already in your hand to be able to use. Uh, again, which one depends on how you've built your stratagem deck. And that's going to be the, the a subject of a whole other podcast. But suffice to say, you want to purchase typically between a two and three cost uh, stratagem. Sometimes, if you have some good ones, taking an early early one stratagem can be very effective and very efficient for you within the context of the game, especially in the early turns. Uh, You know that that stratagem can be can be vital to how you're playing. And again, if you can get one or two of them in that first turn, it really sets you up nicely for playing the game later and for developing your attacks later on. Maybe providing for for your overall strategy through some of these stratagems. And again, your hand your your deck is only going to be six cards worth. So I would definitely take a look at them see the power that's within them and kind of get an understanding why I'm even recommending this as a potential strategy. So the next thing to look at is how many cards do you want in your starting hand? 
I am a proponent of one to two cards in hand, sometimes three, depending on the faction and the matchup. If I am playing into something like... Uh, if I'm going to play something that's going to be very melee-centric, I tend to want to keep tactics tokens over cards. And the reason for that is their flexibility. Uh, particularly, I can use them to get out of melee without penalty and utilize my, my forces superior shooting. Again, this is what I'm thinking about playing as Abyssinia versus you know, playing something like Jibbering Hordes where I'm going to be planning to get into my opponent's face where my tactics tokens can be utilized for things like summoning, where my tactics tokens can be utilized for a variety uh, for bringing my own units back once they've once they've been killed, you know, then the tactics token becomes even more valuable than the card. And it just kind of it kind of varies and and it makes your strategy a little interesting. Now with King's Empire, there's a strong argument for taking cards and taking cards early. And there's nothing wrong with that type of strategy. There's nothing wrong with that type of strategy with any of the box sets. It just depends if you want to go cards early or if you want to go stratagems early. And that's going to depend on you, your situation, and your playstyle, and kind of your overall strategy for the game. But I do want to get you thinking about that. And other things to keep in mind is if you don't leave a tactics token or two available to you to utilize, it means you can't interact with the objectives until your commander has activated. And so you can telegraph exactly when you're going to make that move to the objective simply because of your order of activations and the fact you don't have a tactics token. If you have that tactics token out, the opponent is always going to have to guess and think about the objective and your order of operations, and that will affect their order of operations. So there's a lot of little mind games that you can play and can be played just in this initial phase where you're figuring out how many cards am I going to get, how many tokens am I going to leave, and if I'm going to purchase a stratagem or not. And these are all the things you have to weigh. And it also depends on what scenario you're playing and how live it is. Something like Scavenge, where you're going to basically have an objective automatically in your backfield, because of the way the placement works, an objective you can get to very easily, your opponent's going to have the same, and then you're going to have the two central objectives. That particular, that particular operation kind of wants you to keep Tactics Token on hand from the start of the game. Whereas something like Pitched Assault is less concerned with having multiple tactics tokens available. It's more concerned with being able to kill enemy fire teams, kill enemy units, maneuver around the objectives, and claim an objective late. So there's less, there's less onus on having a lot of tactics tokens, where in something like Scavenge, where there is four objectives on the board, and each of them have varying varying costs to them in terms of how many victory points they're providing you. It really provides you 
you know, more incentive to have access to more of those tactics tokens. And so it does kind of vary and change up your strategy. And then certain stratagems, like we've talked about, are going to be very much more powerful in different operations. So there's a huge liability to taking Spawning Moon in Pitched Assault because it requires you have an Egg Clutch. An Egg Clutch is a one fire team squad that you have to sacrifice in order to summon something bigger. The problem is when you kill it, it counts as killed for the operation, which means you have killed a fire team, giving the opponent a point. It's the first one that turn, and they've killed a unit, giving them two points. So you're giving up two points to maybe score one, so it doesn't make a lot of sense to utilize that stratagem in that matchup. However, in set traps, where it's about being down the field, being long range, the egg clutch becomes a wonderful tool to utilize because of how the points are being scored. It doesn't matter how many units are killed. It matters where the placement of these, these objectives are, and they want to be on your opponent's side of the board. Something like Spawning Moon, where you can turn an egg clutch that maybe you've summoned into uh, a unit of your Razi or something with some distance and range that can get over to the opponent's side of the field quickly, all of a sudden, you've really changed the dynamic of the game for very little cost to you personally as the player from picking up that starting stratagem. And that stratagem has a lot more value there than it does elsewhere. And so there's a lot of variables that you have to kind of consider, think about when you're sculpting your stratagem deck, even in the base box set one commander game. And don't don't let me act like I'm talking down to that particular build-out. Those build-outs are very strong. They're coming with two of the best infantry for each of the allegiances. They're coming with a very strong support unit, and they have a very good commander uh, that is tying all of that together and making a cohesive force that can do a lot of nasty little things in that box set. So as you're playing playing the first few games... I want you to consider a few things. I want you to get used to the fact that you're going to have to buy everything in terms of you're purchasing your cards. You're, though that's affecting if you can purchase a stratagem or not, which is affecting how well you can interact with the scenario or not, which is determining what your opponent's play and counterplay is to you and how luck-dependent you're going to be. So when you have all of that kind of factored in to how the game is going to progress out, there's a lot of variability. And so how do we manage our variability in the game? So one of the things, one of the exercises I recommend is for your first game or so, try to play a turn or two where you don't buy any cards. Just keep your uh, just keep your tactics tokens and see how it feels to just work off the tactics tokens. See what you can do with them. See what avenues of play it opens up for you. Then I want you to play a few hands where you just buy cards. Where you try and fill that hand 
as rapidly as possible. And see how that feels. See how it feels to draw low cards. See how it feels to draw high cards. See when is a good time and not a good time to cheat. See how you feel about the mechanics and how it plays out and how it affects the way that you're playing versus when you were just playing with tactics tokens. And then I want you to have a couple then I want you to have a turn or two where you're mixed. You have a few cards in hand, you've got some tactics tokens, maybe you have a stratagem that you purchased. I want you to see how it feels to have those options. And kind of visualize while you're playing and play through it and just kind of see how it how it affects your ability to make decisions on the table. When you have cards in hand, when you have tactics tokens, when you have a stratagem or two at your disposal to use that particular turn. And you don't feel as resource strapped. So I want you to kind of think about those those type of things. And I want you to look at the, the four operations. Um, the best thing you can do in your first game, in all honesty, is have the book out, have your opponent have their book out. Each of you flip the card, just as you would normally. Flip a stratagem, flip a deployment, play with it. Play with it and go. And that is going to be the absolute best teacher of all of this to you. With a few little tips that I've had in mind of, you know, be mindful of, of how you're going to approach it. Have a strategy in mind for your for your first turn. Have a strategy in mind for your second term in terms of your purchasing. And then kind of see where it develops. And see how that leads you down how that leads you down a path of decision making because of what your early decisions were. And then you can see if they were positive decisions or negative decisions. Um, one of the things I can say is there are multiple paths to victory in this game in the box set games. And there's really no rote script as to what is the optimal line of play. And the reason I say this is I can tell you every time to draw four cards. If I do that, it means you cannot pick objectives up until your commander activates. And then you're only going to have two tactics tokens available to you to interact with the scenario. So automatically, on scavenge, if you have scavenge up, you can only ever claim two objectives unless you are generating tactics tokens elsewhere. And not every, not every allegiance has the ability to do so in the box set very easily uh, without some type of investment or some type of sacrifice uh, or, or having a, a, the unit hit a specific trigger once they're gloried. Again, nothing guaranteed. So when you look, about it, look at it and think about it in those terms, you really have to start thinking about what is best for how I'm going to interact with this particular scenario. What is best for how I'm going to play this particular hand? How do I want to how do I want to address this? How do I want to move forward? So if you come from Alifo, you're so used to having cards and cards being life and, and cards being decision making. I want you to start adjusting your focus to the tactics token. And the reason is Cards are a resource in this game. They're a very strong resource in this game. The tactics token is a stronger resource in this game. 
because the tactics token is how you win the game. It's how you score. So when you start looking at it like that, it really does change your perspective and change your, your thinking and how you approach the game, especially in your first few games as you're playing through the box set. Uh, what else can I give you as you as you approach your first game? Talk to your opponent. Um, go through your box set with each other. Uh, that way, there's no that way there's no gotchas. Um, particularly when you're getting into a brand new game, you want to make sure uh, that all the cards are on the table as easily as possible. And it just takes a second to go to run through what your list are, reveal it. Let them know if you have anything that's odd or strange. So if you're playing Cold and Burning Man, make sure they're aware how your portals work. Um, make sure they're aware uh, how the how the push works with your ability. Uh, if you're playing Abyssinia, make sure you let them know about your triggers, uh, radio and enemy movement, uh, how you get to glory with the margin of six with Eureka. All of that is very important to do. And the reason it's important to do is you want to make sure that you have a level expectation of how things work and no one is feeling like they're surprised at what happened. There's going to be surprising moments in the game. Cards are going to provide that for you. Uh, the way the luck works in the game is going to provide that for you. Somebody having a very interesting tactical move. Somebody's stratagem deck. Uh, and the way that they've utilized their stratagem is going to give you a very different look on a matchup that you may be played, you know, 10, 20, 30 times once you get going on it. And I think what you're going to find as you play your first games is you'll see how easy the system is to learn, and then you're going to see how hard the system is to master. Because once you've made a decision, it shuts off other decision trees but opens up others, and it opens up avenues for your opponent to start to counterplay you in ways you wouldn't have thought possible in other games. So I would encourage for your first few games, just stick to the box set. And then you can start building out and building around. Uh, one of the things that is probably going to be advantageous for you to do is kind of figure out about 40 script worth of models and assets and about two commanders that you want to have in a pool. And the reason I want you to start thinking about this way is this is this is kind of the model that I have for uh, Captain Con. And the reason I have this is in tournament list building, I want there to be the ability to list build, but I don't want the ability to be endless options. I don't want to par paralyze anybody, and I don't want to give an advantage to somebody that purchased a ton of stuff and somebody that's just coming into the game. Uh, and maybe just going through a retail route. So in this manner, we're, we're really looking at having a commander or two in your pool, having 40 script worth of units and assets to then build a one commander list from on the day. And then you're going to have about 12 stratagems to then build your six stratagem pool from. This, I think, is a good way to start approaching the game after your first few times to the box set. And it lets you, you know, have a reasonable amount of stuff to carry around to a quick game night where you're just playing a one commander game, and still have some options on that day because if, if you can play quick enough, you can probably get one or two games. You know, probably get it, 
maybe a second game in on a night, and you can play a totally different list because of you know utilizing this small pool of models uh, and different assets. And so that's something I want you to start thinking about. Um, another thing to start thinking about is get comfortable deploying your units. You want to get a good understanding of where the proper placement is for these models on any given table. Uh, there's a War Machine turn that I'll borrow, uh, which is called Unpacking the Army. And what this means is how the army moves forward out of its deployment zone. And this is something to really start to learn and test as you're playing your first few games. Get used to, get used to an understanding of how the units move. Get used to an understanding of how far they can be away from each other. How far the fire teams can be spread out and still be effective and supportive of each other. This is all very important information to kind of get in those first few games as you're playing through. Uh, but the most important thing is to remember to have fun. It's a fun game. Uh, it's an incredible rule set. And these models are gorgeous, and I hope you're having fun opening them as they come to your door. Uh, I know we're just continuing to ship them out. I know international shippers are starting to get emails that their stuff should be here shortly. And I look forward to when we can all have our stuff. We can all get it built out. We can all then start talking about deeper meanings of, of all of this. And I want you to remember, as you play through your first games, that this is fun. This is a game. And this is something that I want to do with other people. And so I'm going to play in a manner that allows me to continue to play with other people. Because I think what we need to start doing again as people in general is having a baseline respect for each other. I think everything has to come from a, a spot of respect and a spot of understanding and an embracing of each other as members of the same community, even though we have a lot of differences in a variety of opinions, dress, appearance, all of that. And I think we just need to start being kind to each other. And if we can do that, I think we can do wonderful things not only for the game, but for life itself. So I apologize for getting up on a soapbox for a minute, but the, the recent events have definitely gotten me to think that we need to start being kinder to each other as people. Uh, and I think that the uh, best way that we can do that is just be kind to, to those that we game with kind to those that we meet and remember that we're all in this together uh, in terms of we're all on the same planet and we've got to spend our, our limited time with each other and it's better if we're doing that in, in a way that's respectful uh, of each other so get out there have fun enjoy your toys I know I'm enjoying mine I'm enjoying painting mine up uh, we're going to be doing some video battle reports coming up here I've got a, a test video coming out uh, you'll be able to see Pretty much me uh, doing going through the motions of, of about a turn or so, uh, talking through it. It is at normal speed, so I apologize if you don't want to watch it. Don't. Um, there's some fun stuff in the beginning because I was playing with some of the things I can do with the editing software. So I look forward to creating a lot of content for you going forward with the game. And I hope you enjoy this podcast. Uh, you can remember to always email me, cheatedfatesjoe at gmail.com. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter, at CheatedFageJoe. Uh, and remember, if you have a tactics token, you can make a coordinated strike. Games where boys